Hey guys, just a note before we get started. If you're listening to this episode in the spring of 2023, I want you to know that I'm offering an online summer solstice celebration practice this year, and it's open to everyone. Solstices and equinoxes are great times to get quiet, to reflect, to hear and listen to that inner voice of wisdom. In addition to gentle movement, restorative shapes, and guided relaxation, this class will include contemplative questions, and the whole class can be done in bed if that works best for you. Sometimes the ability to relax into the support of your own bed is exactly what you need in order to relax your mind and hear more clearly that inner voice. I hope you'll consider joining us. The link is in the show notes. Hello friends and welcome back to Swimming and Singing. I'm Sarah Nelson. I'm a certified yoga therapist and yoga teacher and I specialize in working online with people who think they are too tired, too busy, too anxious, or in too much pain to do yoga. I use the traditional tools of yoga along with modern technology to help you create a more easeful and joyful life by helping you remember your connection to your mind, body, and spirit. If that sparks your interest, head on over to my website and grab the free guide to creating a yoga habit for exhausted perfectionists. The name of my podcast comes from a beloved poem written by Gregory Orr and is a reminder that some days it's all we can do to tread water and then other days there is room for joy. This podcast aims to share practices for both types of days. In today's episode, I chat with one of the co-founders and co-owners of Agnya Yoga College in Victoria, BC. This is the yoga therapy program that I graduated from and which I now teach for. This episode is a bit longer than usual, but I promise you it will fly by. Michelle shares her understanding of the polyvagal theory which is a new way, um, a more expansive way, I think, of understanding the nervous system. She breaks it down into easy to understand beds and shares experiential practices along the way so you can feel in your own body what she's talking about. Grab a cup of tea and get comfortable and get ready to learn how to fall in love with life by befriending your nervous system. Michelle Schroeder has been exploring the gift of yoga since childhood. Yoga has supported her in finding her center as she has moved through this journey of life. She has been sharing the gift of yoga for 23 years and has been training yoga teachers to become yoga therapists including me, since 2008. Michelle offers weekly classes at Agnya Yoga Studio, both online and in person in Victoria, British Columbia. Make sure 
you check the show notes for links on how you can study and practice with Michelle. This podcast is for inspiration and information and does not replace medical care or advice. I am not a licensed healthcare professional or mental health therapist. Not all practices discussed on this podcast will be suitable or accessible to everybody, but I hope that you find something that resonates and can bring a bit more joy and ease into your life. Let's get to it. Hello, Michelle, and welcome to Swimming and Singing. Hello, Sarah. It's so good to be here with you. Yeah, thank you. It's great to have you. So I think at this point, many listeners are familiar with the sympathetic and the parasympathetic branches of the autonomic nervous system. And even if they don't know those words, they're familiar with this fight flight versus relaxation or rest and digest response. But in the past 30 or so years, a new theory, polyvagal theory, is being explored. And I would love it if you could give us just a basic idea of polyvagal theory, how it differs from the the current um, understanding of sympathetic, parasympathetic branches, um, and how that relates to the nervous system. Yes, I'd be happy to. Um, So as you said, the polyvagal theory came about from research from Stephen Porges. Mm -hmm. And this was roughly around the early 1990. um, And you were stating around the autonomic nervous system and that it's made up of the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. So in the polyvagal theory, it brings a deeper awareness to these two branches of the autonomic nervous system, and then also brings in the awareness of the vagus nerve. And the vagus nerve is our 10th cranial nerve. And I always love kind of looking and reviewing the root of the word, which is um, vagabond, or a meaning of to wander. And thinking of the vagus nerve, we can have an image in our body and mind of noticing that it descends down from the brainstem on either side of our neck. So there's two branches of it, and it is the longest nerve in the body. And as it runs from the brainstem down the sides of the neck, it connects to our inner ears, our face muscles, our throat, our larynx, our face, our heart, our lungs, the diaphragm, and the digestive system. So when we think about this, we notice that our brain and our belly is connected by this nerve. And it supports all of our major systems in the body plus the mind-body connection. So I love in the um, polyvagal theory, they talk about it being the information highway of the body. Mm -hmm. And it's such a beautiful image to notice. Okay, we have this information highway from our brain that goes through all of our body. And I realized when I was describing it that I connected to the face a couple times. (laughs) which is is quite beautiful that the face wanted to come in and be acknowledged a few times. Um, 
The one thing that's quite interesting is that 80% of the information that travels along the vagus nerve, 80% of it goes from the body to the brain. Mm. And then 20% goes from the brain to the body. Interesting. So just pausing. Yeah, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. It just kind of makes you pause and go, okay, our this nerve is really sensing, you know, all yeah. these different parts of the body. And when we can connect to it or do practices that influence and um you know, nourish this nerve, this vagus nerve, then we can also nourish our nervous system. Mm. And so one of the things that I was hoping that people would receive from this talk is from the lens of using the polyvagal theory of seeing this autonomic nervous system. And then this umbrella of on one side is the sympathetic nervous system and on the other side is the parasympathetic nervous system. So sympathetic being activation, you know, sometimes what we call fight or flight and parasympathetic, as you said, this rest and digest. And then the polyvagal theory, they break the parasympathetic nervous system down into two alternate branches. And so one of the branches is called the ventral vagal and this is our system of well-being. And the other mm. part of the parasympathetic nervous system is the dorsal vagal. And this is a system where, you know, it is connected to our digestion, where we do feel a little bit more um, shut down, mm. kind of rest option that is coming in. So just to clarify, with polyvagal theory, it's not, they're not like getting rid of the concept of sympathetic and parasympathetic they're just kind of bringing a little more nuance to it maybe yeah and and redefining it mm -hmm. in a way that um when we're in our parasympathetic we have kind of two alternate branches mm -hmm. of the parasympathetic and the other thing that's really great about it is in the understanding of these pathways from the polyvagal lens or the polyvagal theory that, you know, we always thought, oh, it's autonomic. So we don't really have any control mm. over it or we can't alter it in any way. Um, but through having this lens, we can then help to do practices from awareness of what part of our nervous system our patterns tend to go in or where we are. Mm -hmm. and how to find ways of regulating so that we come back into the state of well-being. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, I was, I was reading for this talk, one of my favorite books that I've been enjoying reading is called Anchored um, by Deb Dana. Mm -hmm. And she's a clinician and a consultant, and she specializes in the polyvagal theory, and she studied under Stephen Porges. And one of the things that she writes in this book is the goal of the polyvagal theory is befriending our nervous system mm. as well as the body. I love that. It's just such a beautiful concept of like, okay, we're going to take notice not only take notice, but create this relationship and friendship with our nervous system and our body. And then through that, one of the other quotes that I wanted to share 
is Deb Dana says, the polyvagal theory is the science of feeling safe enough to fall in love with life and take risks of living. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. It just brings this um, softening towards ourself and a a deeper understanding. Mm -hmm. And then when we have this kind of flip of perspective, which I feel from the basic understanding of the nervous system into this awareness of the polyvagal, it allows us to know that through awareness and deepening this relationship, we can then find tools to move through the nervous system. Mm -hmm. And so one of the um, things that I'd like to start with is going in a little bit deeper around the polyvagal theory and just talking about, first off, the three main principles. Okay. Okay. And the first principle to think about is there's an evolution of our nervous system. And this evolution is organized by three main building blocks or uh, pathways. And there's an order to regulation, moving to mobilization, to dysregulation. And it also provides us a pathway of returning from dysregulation to regulation. Okay. So yeah. that's really beautiful because it's yeah. like a map. Yeah. The second principle is the nervous system has a built-in surveillance system. And it's constantly scanning for signs of safety and warnings of danger. And so Stephen Porges, he created a word, which um, some people might have heard. It's called neuroception. Mm -hmm. And neuro meaning to be aware. Inception of signs of safety and danger. And so one thing to always remember about this is the goal of the nervous system or the role of our nervous system is to keep us safe and protected. Hmm. Right. And it does what it does in these functions autonomically to provide that for us. I feel like, is that why I don't want to jump out of an airplane? (laughs) Right? Yeah, your nervous system is surveilling and it's saying, oh, danger, danger. This is not a good idea, Sarah. <laughs> right? But, you know, the interesting part of that is, is sometimes we can, our nervous system can be telling us we're in danger. Mm. And then we can go, oh, thank you for thinking I'm in danger. But actually, I feel okay and I feel safe right now. But I appreciate mm. you giving me signals of that to bring that into my awareness, but I feel, I feel safe here mm-hmm. right now. So we can, then that's the relationship, right? Having a conversation yeah. right, with our nervous system. And that just makes me think, I made the joke about jumping out of an airplane, but I feel like many of us have that same feeling, maybe uh, speaking up even on a Zoom call or um, giving a speech or a TED talk or something like that might be a better example of a time when you probably really actually are safe, but your nervous system might be saying this is dangerous. Yeah, exactly. And depending on what experiences we've had in our life, our nervous system might 
have moved into certain patterns that they feel very comfortable in moving mm-hmm. within our nervous system, these pathways that feel a little bit clearer. Mm-hmm. So the last principle of this is that having moments of safely connecting to others in co-regulation is a necessary ingredient for well-being. When we co-regulate, it helps us self-regulate. Hmm. When we co-regulate, it helps us self-regulate. Right. So these are the three principles that we need to keep in mind that the the polyvagal theory considers or is kind of built around. Can we revisit the first one just briefly? And can you describe what dysregulation might look like or how someone might experience that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And um, within moving, if you're okay, within moving, within each part of the nervous system, Mm -hmm. I actually speak about and share, here's what it feels like to be in regulation in this part of the building block of the nervous system. And here's what it feels to be dysregulated. Okay. So So if you're, yeah, yeah, so you you were anticipating what I was about (laughs) to share, which I I thoroughly appreciate. (laughs) So as you were kind of asking that, that kind of deeper understanding of, of what does that look like? Right. Mm -hmm. Cause we now have this awareness, but then it's like, okay, well, how does that look like? Or what does that feel like? within myself or could feel like. And so exploring now these three building blocks of our nervous system, according to the polyvagal theory. Mm -hmm. And so the first building block, which is on the very top. So if we kind of imagine three blocks stacked on Mm -hmm. top of one another and the very top block, okay, is called the ventral vagal pathway. And this is part of one of the branches of the parasympathetic nervous system that is governed by the vagus nerve. Okay. And it's commonly called the system of connection or our social nervous system. So this part of our nervous system is the newest part of our nervous system. Mm. And it evolved around 200 million years ago in (laughs) our aquatic friends. And this nervous system provides a pathway within us for health, feelings of well-being, and homeostasis. So this is a place where we feel life is manageable, a place where we might feel at home inside of ourself. Our heart rate is regulated. Our breath is natural, it's full. We have this urge within us to want to connect and communicate with others. Mm. And while we're communicating with others, we can easily, you know, kind of tune out most distractions around us. We may even feel energized to want to branch out a little bit more and join a group. Or just feel content of being on our own in Mm self-regulation. So that's kind of an interesting one of noticing, you know, as we kind of talk about this, moments when we feel like this, Mm. right? This regulated part 
of our ventral vagal or our system of connection. We might even notice when we're in this part of the nervous system that when moments of distress come up, we can more easily explore options mm -hmm. to solve the problems that are in front of us, or we have this awareness that we can reach out for support or are there to support others in need. And another example could be, you know, the common irritations of life. You know, sometimes mm -hmm. we're driving to work and someone cuts us off or we spill our tea or our coffee or something else happens. And, you know, it doesn't feel like it gets us all flustered. We can kind of just go with the flow. We don't feel angry. We don't feel anxious. Mm. And so our focus is then on our connection, right, within ourselves, with others, the world, and spirit. Mm. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So it's, it's a really nice way. And I thought at this point we could just pause for a mm. moment and for anyone who's listening to this talk, just noticing in this pause that maybe they can find a space where they feel safe, right? Where they can kind of pause, maybe close their eyes for a moment or just relax back in their chair. Or maybe they feel like they want to lie down or they're standing, but they're in a place where they can feel safe to kind mm -hmm. of do a little explore, exploration in themselves. So as we just take this moment to pause and we feel our body, we just notice our breath. And as we notice our breath, we just feel the flow of the breath entering, inhalation, and releasing from the body, exhalation. And we might notice this feeling at times in our life or maybe we felt regulated. We felt at home within ourselves. This urge to want to connect with others because we feel regulated within ourselves. And as we're pausing here, the ventral vagal, this social nervous system, the realm where the nerves come often come down through the brainstem in the vagus nerve. They run here through our heart, our lungs, our larynx, our inner ear, our face, our mouth, and our eyes. So this is the part of the ventral vagus nervous system. And these are the areas of the body that we can come into connection with to find regulation. So a simple thing sometimes for people is while we're breathing is just placing a hand on their heart, sometimes placing one or both hands on the heart. There might even be an inclination to take one hand and just keep it on the heart and place the other hand on the belly. And as we Pause and just notice the touch of the hands on the body. And then in the very center of our body is our diaphragm. This is our primary breathing muscle. So for our breath to feel full, when we receive an inhalation, the diaphragm contracts, it lowers down, presses on our digestive system, 
We feel our belly expand, our ribs widen, our body fill with breath and energy. And then as we exhale, we feel the diaphragm relax for some of us, belly deflating, ribs gathering in. You're just going to feel the presence of this breath, feeling the focus a little bit more on the exhalation, and then allowing our body to open and receive the inhale, this full breath. Exhale, belly gathers in, diaphragm relaxes, rib gathers. This inhalation, the body receiving breath. And as we come into awareness of our breath and then shift a little bit more focus onto the exhalation, this helps us to move into just nourishing the vagus nerve which brings us into a state of regulation within ourself and wanting to co-regulate. So this lengthening of the exhalation. So another tool of lengthening the exhale is very simply the bee breath. And some people might feel an awareness of this pranayama and it's the sound of a bumblebee. And so this breath, as you receive your inhale, you create a humming with your lips touching and you just create the sound of a bumblebee humming out through the exhale. So it sounds something like this. So we can allow that bumblebee breath or brahmari breath to just hum on the exhale for another couple rounds. Hmm. Once we feel that breath pause, just taking a moment to check in with ourselves to see how we feel. You might feel the hands release from the body. Whenever we lengthen the exhale, one thing for us to notice is this short-lived gas in our body called nitric oxide. It dilates our blood vessels. And when it dilates our blood vessels, it enhances blood flow to the areas and helps to move oxygen and nutrients to our body. And so just having this full breath creates nitric oxide in our body, mostly in the nasal cavities is where it comes in, flows through the body. And also when we do any breath that lengthens our exhale. Mm. Thank you for that practice. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's the first building block. Yeah. So the second building block of our nervous system is our sympathetic pathway or the system of action. 
And so this one evolved around 400 million years ago, also in our aquatic friends. And this part of our nervous system allows us to get up and move around, okay? giving us motivation, energy. It helps to regulate the pumping of our blood, manage our heart rhythms, our breathing patterns. So when we're in this state of the sympathetic nervous system and we're still anchored within our ventral vagal, okay, we're using what is called in the polyvagal theory is called our vagal break. Mm. So this is an important circuit where the vagus nerve, it's actually the right side mm. of the vagus nerve that descends from the brainstem. It goes down and connects to a point on the top of the upper heart called our sinoarterial node. It's this little oval shaped that's located in the back wall of the heart. And a lot of the time it's referred to as our pacemaker of the heart. Mm -hmm. And I kind of like that um, little awareness of that. And so what it does is it's through connection of our heart rate and our breathing. It helps to regulate our breathing and our heart rate. So either by speeding it up Right? releasing the break and creating more energy, more neurotransmitters that increase heart, increase energy. So it allows us to tap into our sympathetic nervous system, right? It gives us more energy. Mm -hmm. okay? And then also when we're ready to calm down and we're in a regulated state and we've completed the activity, the vagal break then comes in and slows the heart rate down. So this is when we have two states of our nervous system in communication with one another. And it's just a really nice um, thought to notice that we can, you know, be regulated, mm -hmm. right, in our social nervous system, but also have the sympathetic moving around with us, creating energy for us and still be in regulation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's when there's a partnership, there's a communication. But then sometimes in life, something mm -hmm. happens, right? And the sympathetic nervous system has a very hard time regulating back into the ventral vagal. Maybe life starts to feel really overwhelming or so many things start to come rushing at us all at once. Maybe there's like never-ending challenges and suddenly start to feel a rush of adrenaline happen into our body. And this is when the cortisol or stress hormones mm. are released, right? And we start to feel maybe a little bit more stressed, anxious. We lose this sense of feeling safe in the present moment. Our ability to see the bigger picture then narrows, right? And we go into what we call this fight or flight stage. And we might start to react by attacking or wanting to escape the situation that we're facing. Okay, so we're moving when we get down into the states. This is going into um, hyper arousal of the sympathetic nervous system. So it's an overactivation. Mm -hmm. Okay, and at this place, our nervous system is then scanning all the time because it feels unsafe, right? And so it's always looking for signs of threat. And it's on high alert, thinking it always needs to protect. Is this where if you spilled that cup of coffee, you would have like a 
big reaction to it as opposed to before where it was just like, oh yeah, just spilled the coffee. Yeah. So in here, you would probably have quite a reactive moment. <laughs> you could get really angry. Yeah. You know, you, you could have an outburst. The body may want to express because we have all this excess energy and it's, we're in overdrive. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's noticing, ah, oh, I'm in awareness, right? This is, this is happening right now. And so I thought this would be a really good time to just pause and maybe notice as we find this safe place for ourselves to explore um, this place of our nervous system and even just noticing maybe recently we've felt ourselves go into this place of our nervous system. And so we could just kind of notice what happened, how we responded to the situation, what did our body do? What was the pathway of reactions that happened? The sympathetic system, the spinal nerves, they emerge more from the thoracic and the lumbar regions of our back. Right? So we might get a sense of this if we're sitting on a chair, we can lean back into the chair, we can even touch this part of our body a little bit more, feeling it can sense maybe our jacket or a sweater or clothing around us. So in this state, our breath becomes quick and our energy rises. So one way when we come into being able to shift is the first thing we have to do is be aware where we are in our nervous system. Mm -hmm. So we become, ah, I'm in, right? That kind of hyper arousal of the sympathetic. I'm in either fight or flight right now. I'm feeling very anxious, right? Anxiety is present. Stress is present. My breath is really quick. So the minute we bring it into our awareness, we then can shift. We then can actually bring in tools to help to move us in a different direction of back up to the ventral vagal. So different things that we can do after we have that awareness is we can just take some deep breaths, right? And a good way to do this is think, inhale through the nose, exhale out the mouth. And these are called cleansing breaths. So I thought as a group, we could just inhale, exhale out the mouth. You might notice that you can purse your lips and blow the breath out. You might feel a sigh. So let's just do it a couple more times. As we're exhaling out the mouth, and this might take three to five, six, seven rounds, you know, just giving ourselves time to exhale, is we can start to ground back in the moment by using our senses. And so the first thing that we would do is use our first sense that is the most used sense, which is our eyes. Mm. And we can just take a moment to just scan our environment, right? So when we scan our environment, there's research that's been done is that it creates courage within us, okay? Wow. Which is a really beautiful thing. I believe it's um, Dr. Hubert and his research um, around that. And it's really interesting that when we scan, we get into that surveillance part of our nervous system. 
okay? And it creates courage. So we can start to say, okay, I see trees. I see a clock. I see a red flower, right? So we start to bring us back into the moment. And the next thing is to notice what we hear. I hear birds. I hear people laughing. I hear construction happening. I hear traffic. Okay, and then the next thing is to come into the felt sense of our body. So in order to do this, we have to kind of deepen our relationship to the body. So we've been deepening a relationship to a nervous system because of being in awareness, but now we have to do the other part of it, right? Which is befriending potty. So one thing that I thought we could do is just doing some practices where you just shake the body, shake the limbs. So just start to do that. And all these practices, when we get back into the body, they help to ground us. And they're also helping to dissipate energy. Okay, so there's a lot of excess energy. So we can shake, we can flick. Okay, we can even, if we're standing, we can jump and hop. We can stomp our legs and our feet. Almost like we're running in place. The other thing is tapping body. Okay, we can just go and tap the body. And then just come back and just notice the breath as you do this. Just feeling how the, maybe the energy has now released, it's not within us anymore, but we've allowed ourselves to cleanse that excess energy away from us. And then when we do that, we can start to move back into regulation. Beautiful. Yeah. I just thought we kind of just pause and just check in with yeah. how we're doing. Yeah, that was... Um... I was interesting. Of course, I love the tapping practice, but just even like just shaking and releasing um, the energy, I can see. I can see how it changes, changes where kind of where I'm at. Mm -hmm. And I feel like even if a person wasn't in a situation where they feel like they could flail their limbs around, they could certainly take a moment to like look around to have that in mind that like this, this is actually giving me courage. Science says it is. And then also to, to connect with the sounds around them. Those are, yeah. those are great tools to have. Yeah. It's just, it's so amazing because we use the senses as input, receiving input, and then also parts of the body to move out and express and, and kind of have a relationship with the environment. And um, they're, they're such great, simple tools yeah. right, that we can dig in our little toolbox and be like, hey, this really works for me. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Beautiful. So let's journey down. So we mm -hmm. were at the first building block, and then we just explored the second building block of the sympathetic, and then the very first building block, so the third, the second, this is the first, is called the dorsal vagal. And this is the second branch of the parasympathetic nervous system. So this system, a lot of the time they put it down as the system of shutdown. And so this is the 
oldest part of our nervous system, which means we're the most familiar with it, (laughs) which is interesting. Once again, evolved 500 million years ago from our aquatic friends. So the day-to-day function of the dorsal vagal is to regulate our digestive system. Okay, so that's a day-to-day function. So when we're regulated in our ventral, the day-to-day function, right, of the dorsal is to have a healthy digestion. Okay, and also to provide us with moments of rest. The other part of the dorsal vagal is it also has a defense mechanism which moves us into immobilization or a shutdown when it feels threatened or unsafe. So in times of exhaustion, you know, maybe mm-hmm. mentally, physically, we might feel, ah, oh, the body and mind needs to rest or we need to recharge, right? We need to yeah. shut down. We need to curl inside of ourselves. And so noticing at night, we offer this to ourselves, right? Where we kind of close down, we go into ourselves, we allow ourselves to recharge. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is happening. And from this place, you know, we also notice that when we're in our sympathetic that we just explored, and we're in that hyper arousal state of the sympathetic. We, we might notice if we can't move out of that state, right? Where we start to feel, oh, I've been in this sympathetic state of fight or flight, right? For yeah. quite a while. Yeah. And I'm feeling a little bit trapped. I don't know how to get out. I don't know how to manage it. I don't feel like I know who to reach out to, right? And we've stayed there for too long. Then we start to shut down. The nervous system shuts down. It becomes immobile for the sense of protection. Okay, and in that state, we start maybe to feel a little bit disconnected from the world, right? From our body, from our feelings. We might have this sense of like, oh, I feel like I just want to disappear, go invisible. Mm-hmm. Okay. And if we have to still move around, we might be able to still move around in life, but we do so with little energy and sometimes we don't have a lot of care. Okay, so we're just going through the motions, but we don't really care. So in this sense, we might start to feel tired, dizzy. Some of us could feel nauseous. We could have digestive problems. Right, because everything in the system is slowing down just to maintain enough energy to keep us alive. Mm. So as we kind of sit, just taking a moment of pause again, and as you know, we notice maybe there's moments that we can feel in the last while where we've needed to recharge or we've felt our nervous system shut down because life has just been too much or there's been an experience that's happened and the nervous system just shut us down so that we could be able to feel safe and protect us. Coping mechanism is not there. 
So we go into what we call this hypoarousal, right? We're just completely shut off. So this dorsal vagal branch, right? The lowest part of the vagus nerve, it connects to all our organs, right? So underneath the diaphragm, our stomach, our spleen, our liver, our kidneys, the small and large intestines. Okay, so day-to-day -day activity when we're in our ventral and we're all regulated, right, is to, you know, keep that day-to-day -day activity of the, the digestive system. But when we go into shutdown, the digestive system, just that activity kind of stops. Very little energy is going there. So I thought, as we just kind of pause for a moment, maybe the eyes just soften or they close. Maybe we're seated or we can lie down for a moment. But one way that we can create safety inside of ourselves is curling up. So we can curl up into a fetal position. So if people at home are listening to this and they're able to just lie down, they can curl up. If we're seated, we might even just bring our torso towards our legs. Another way is to hug yourself, right? So if you can't really curl up, you can reach your arms out. And one of the tools that um, Stephen Levine talks about is bringing, as you start to wrap your arms around you, bringing your right hand in your armpit and then bringing your left arm around to hug yourself. So the right hand connecting into the heart, this place of our ventral vagal where all the nerves are pathing into our social regulation, this social connection part of our nervous system. Sometimes we like to kind of shake, rock, circle around. Just noticing how it feels to snuggle ourselves with loving compassion. Notice your breath. You might feel a couple breaths wanting to release out the mouth like we did a cleansing breath. You might feel that bee breath coming in, that humming. Or just being present with the breath. Another way to kind of connect back to our social nervous system or this place of self-regulating is even rubbing our hands together really vigorously, feeling the energy and the heat, and then making contact with that part of the ventral vagal nervous system, right? Face. So we might rub and we might even just touch our face, our neck, chest arms, splashing cold water on our face also helps mm. to bring us back into the body. And I know you have a fur baby. And so one other thing that helps to comfort us is actually connecting with our fur babies. Yeah. <laughs> right. And that, that provides us with this sense of safety. 
right? The sense of connection and we start to be able to come out, right? Of this shutdown. We might even like reach out to someone and call someone just to hear someone's voice, right? The sound of people's voices mm -hmm. sometimes can also help to regulate us and bring us back out. So when we start to feel safe, we slowly start to move from this place of shutdown into a system of action, the sympathetic. Okay, and then we start to maybe have small movements, small movements that feel safe and grounding. So we might massage our feet with our hands. We might take a ball like we do in yoga all the time and foot roll, rolling our feet out on a ball might listen to a piece of music that really resonates mm. with us, right? Just any kind of movement around your house, connecting with nature and like a walk, right? In the forest or in water. So it's really beautiful because the polyvagal theory provides us this predictable building block sequence of when we are pulled from regulation and then we move to our sympathetic, the system of action, and then if we can't move back up to regulation, we move down into this protective action of the dorsal vagal, which is a mobilization or shutdown or disconnect. And as we start to become more aware of these movements, of the patterns of our nervous system, we can track our journey into dysregulation. I'll repeat that again because that's a really important part. As we start to become aware of our parts of our nervous system in these building blocks, we notice there's a predictable order or sometimes pattern that our nervous system follows, right? That we move from these states so we can track our journey into dysregulation, but then wonderful thing about it is that we have a pathway to find our way back to safety and regulation right so when we are in our ventral vagal and we're feeling well-being we might move into the sympathetic to have action if we go into fight or flight we can use tools to try to release and dissipate some of that excess energy and then move back up into ventral vagal Sometimes we stay in the fight or flight for a little bit too long or something mm -hmm. happens and our body just says, we need to shut down. So when we shut down, we can create places of safety and rest and allow ourselves to be there for a moment to really just rest and nourish and recharge. And then once we feel safe, we can start to create activity, move back up into sympathetic, right? And be anchored within ventral vagal. So always noticing that we're returning to this place of well-being within us, this social connection. When we're there, we can feel more regulated, self-regulated within ourselves. So I think it's a quite a um, beautiful awareness that in times when we feel challenged, this moves us from the place of reacting to reflecting, mm. right? And when yeah. we can 
reflect instead of react, then we don't get stuck in dysregulation. Okay, and we have tools to be able to return to regulation. Because the goal is not to ever not go into these other parts of our nervous system. The goal is to be aware of them, to notice the pathway back, and to not get stuck in a phase or a place or a pathway of the nervous system for too long. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I could see how some people might think it's like this hierarchy of like, best better like worse but but of course we do we I love how you talked about the even the dorsal vagal being this like really important part like we do it every night and we need it we need the recharge and um we need all of those all of those steps all of those stages to be healthy yeah Yeah. And it, and I love how you said that it, it just puts it in our awareness that, you know, these are all cycles within us, mm. right? Yeah. And, and, you know, like you said, one is not better than the other. You know, it does show that when we're moving through our nervous system, if we can move through the states with more ease, then it shows that we have a more resilient nervous system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and remember, as we kind of come back, our goal is to befriend our nervous system and our body. And when we do that through the polyvagal theory, it's a science of feeling safe enough to fall in love with life Mm -hmm. and take risks of living. Yeah, I love that. And I just, I want to just reiterate, you said befriend the nervous system. You didn't say control the nervous system or like be in charge of it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah and when we think of like another word of befriending it's having a conversation through awareness yeah love it michelle thank you so much um this was great i loved it's so helpful for me to feel the practices like in my body and then to be able to come back to that. Um, So thank you for that. And I think people are going to want to know how they can work with you. And I just feel like this Zoom world we live in has really opened the doors, opened the possibilities to to work with teachers from all over. So let people know when you teach and how they can work with you. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I, so I live, work, and play in Victoria, BC, Canada, and I teach at the moment two classes a week, um, one specifically on the fascia release series that works with the fascia, hydrating it, and also the nervous system, and another one um, that I do is focused more on therapeutic yoga for the hips, neck, and shoulders, so both those classes. So the fascia one is on Tuesday morning and the hips, neck and shoulders on Thursday morning. And they both are at nine to 10, 15 Pacific standard time. And they're open to in-person and online at the same time. And I also, um, run co-own, um, a college where I offer, we offer there, um, through Agna yoga, uh, continuing education 
for people that are yoga teachers and need to come in to receive more credits or want extra training or wanting to move towards becoming a yoga therapist. So the website is agnayoga.ca. Yes, and I will include that in the show notes. That's also where you can go and find out um, more about the classes Michelle teaches and sign up for them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thank you so much for, for chatting with me today. This was great. Yeah, it was a true pleasure to be here. And I thank you for asking me to come in and just share a little piece um, of the polyvagal theory, which hopefully bring a little bit more ease and um, well-being and regulation to people where they can start to, after this talk, um, start to just become aware of what their nervous system does. And so to know that it's happening autonomically, but through the awareness, we can then create and befriend it and create that relationship. And yeah, it's very empowering. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Thanks, Michelle. Yeah, you're so welcome. Good to see you, Sarah. Friends, thank you so much for listening to Swimming and Singing. Links and contact information can be found in the show notes and on my website where you'll also find that free guide to creating a yoga habit for exhausted perfectionists. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast. If you have thoughts or comments you'd like to share with me, please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, keep swimming and keep singing.